You are listening to the Massive Report podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, um, the crew's moving on to the playoffs. Who would have saw that coming after the abysmal performance of 42 <laughs> loss at Atlanta? Uh, yeah, who the hell is this talking? This is Sam Fami. You're normally uh, dude on the ones and twos, as they call it here. I call it the knobs, but here we are. Uh, our good friend Brian and host of this Massive Report podcast is unfortunately not with us. Uh, we hope that he'll join us on the rest of this playoff run, but I am here with Bart, Brett, and Murph, and uh, we're going to talk a fantastic crew win from yesterday's uh, crew versus Atlanta playoff game in which the crew are now advancing which some of us didn't expect who who didn't expect it who, who I, are these people i'm sure there are people here that had their doubts <laughs> <clears throat> myself um and uh sus yes we are live well we are live you're obviously mm. listening to this recorded at saucy Brewworks on third and michigan and this will probably be the last time i say michigan for the rest of the year because yep. from now on they will be the team up north until after Thanksgiving. Well, they saw so, that coming, so don't even worry I about sure it. I sure hope so. So, yeah. 4-2. I only got to listen to the game and hear the dulcet tones of uh, Chris Dorn on the radio as I was traveling and not at the game, unfortunately. What do you guys got? Moving on to the Eastern Conference semis. And uh, get Orlando here in about two weeks. Um, because there's an international break between mm. now and then. Yeah, we're going to all forget everything yeah, that we yeah. talk about. Which tonight. is a weird oh, um, yeah. weird timing, but normal timing um, kind of in the calendar. But the um, I don't expect it to temper any momentum. But what a, what a night uh, at Lower.com. Um, yeah, I had the opportunity to actually go in person for the first time, I think, since June uh, was the last time I was there. Um, Watched the second half with Pat and the Nordeco, which is the first time I've sat in the Nordeca since the second game of the year. I it's believe. the first time I've watched a game with you. Okay, and you are rather entertaining during uh, the match. Okay. just like yelling at guys to do things and like you so, know, it's as if you. I, I was thinking about this actually after the games. We were on the way home. I was like, I wonder what Brett was like when he was you know in between the benches on the sideline. You know, were you yelling? <laughs> yelling in my mind. Yeah, so I, I I said this to a friend of mine. Um, at the start of the year, because he basically said the same thing to me. It was like, it's like you're you are like you're you're yelling at people while everyone else is looking at like the ball or yeah. something. <laughs> like you are yelling at like the opposite guy right now. Um, but I had I said this to him. I was like, yeah, I, I had I wasn't able to do that for four seasons. So I have four seasons of catching up to do <laughs> in terms of you know yelling shape and. Uh, you know, like get back on side and all the other junk. But um, uh, in an unbelievable atmosphere, one of the best ones that I can remember, honestly, um, in an all for nothing game. And they, the team, the crew came out and absolutely showed that they were the superior team uh, in every facet uh, uh, of the game. Uh, outrageous, outrageous uh, second goal from Amundsen. Oh, a fantastic opener from Nagby, who, as we've been barking at him now since he was with, uh, since he came to the Columbus Crew, when the home when homeboy is in the you know kind of that attacking third in that zone fourteen, amazing things have a tendency to happen, and he's shown that especially over the last I don't know handful of weeks. Two goals and, in the and, series, right? And he had a chance earlier, just a couple minutes earlier, and we were all like. Come on, Darlington, and he passes it up, and it's like he realized, okay, I'm not doing that again. But I and I, I just thought the whole the whole night kind of encapsulated um, 
in my mind, it, the everything that we've kind of seen in terms of this transition from the Caleb Porter years, the and in some ways maybe even the old stadium. Obviously, mm-hmm. there's been a gap between that, but like the the, the Caleb Porter years. What it felt like when we were in that building while those teams were playing into now this first season with Wilfrey Nancy and kind of how much how much how differently that feels. And then when you put that all into term or in context with a home playoff game, a second one, mm-hmm. uh, you absolutely have to win the game. You have a live band playing uh, beforehand and at halftime. Welshley Arms, which mm-hmm. I, is, they're an Ohio band, Again, I believe. Yeah. Yes, they're from uh, Cleveland, the, right? Yeah. yeah, for the I think the second time this year. Third, third, third. third. Yeah. Okay, well, they're becoming the house band. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Um, it was. It just. It, it felt. Um, in some ways, for me, like we're kind of firmly ensconced now, both feet mm-hmm. fully present in this new era of Columbus. Excuse me, Columbus Crew Soccer. Um, it was a night that I'm going to remember for a long time. It, I, it's a top five night for me in, in terms of my crew fandom. It was it was a special evening um, and great to be there in person. Well, you score, you mentioned that night, Beagle. Comes in the ninth minute, so you get off to a good start. Then Amundsen's banger, who, which I don't even think he knew he could do that. No. Um, <laughs> comes in the 17th minute. So you're up 2 nothing. And then you're up three nothing, thirty three. I mean, to get off to a start like that, that's what yeah. you need to do in yeah. that type of game, right? You and step on their neck. Exactly. And look, Atlanta scores right after the third goal, so it, it kept it a game. But I think that was, you know, especially because it was a guy like Darlington, the captain, the guy who played for both of these teams, to go out there and get it going quickly. Uh, you know, you didn't want to let Atlanta hang around mm-hmm. in that game and, and risk, um, you know, kind of them stealing a goal or, or, you know, starting to find their offensive rhythm. Um, what did you make of the Mo Farsi change uh, starting in place of Julian Gressel? I, I thought that was interesting. I know, you know, I, I, I mentioned it to you, uh, Smurf, and, and and he wasn't, Gressel wasn't on, you know, list on the injury. But yeah. I, I believe, you know, watching him, especially in that first game, in the first, you yeah. know, 10 minutes, he has a, a golden opportunity, one on O, and he, he pulls up. Um, uh, and, and they didn't, I don't, I don't even think they ended up getting a shot out no, of it. Um, he wasn't taking corners. He took a, I don't think he took any in the first game. He took a couple in the second game. And I think there's, you know, a point to be made. Look, he hasn't been, you know, for a guy who's, uh, uh, was sold to us as, you know, this guy is extremely effective from the corner. He hasn't really produced, um, a great deal, but, uh, I don't know that Diego Rossi's shown you much more from, uh, taking right. corners either. Um, uh, but I so I, I wasn't that surprised. But for the I, I feel like he was injured, and I think there you know might be something to say about uh, uh, him not being listed on the injury report. Obviously, he was still in the 18, but I don't think regardless he was 100. percent I think Mo played an excellent game. Uh, I had you know some people that that, that were you know commenting and. Uh, and, and it definitely did look like a lot more. The game was run down that left side than down the right side that we're you know used to seeing when Julian Gressel's in there. Um, but I, I think Mo was really effective defensively. He was all over. He had a couple nice plays. He had a couple Mo plays where Son just take the shot there in the box. Don't try to do too much. But he had a couple other plays, you know, where he, he megs a couple guys, takes a couple good dribbles, couple turns. Um, so I thought, you know, uh, stepping in there in 
the maybe not the biggest performance or biggest situation for him since he you know played in some big playoff games for crew two but especially as a guy who hasn't started any games of significance uh for columbus since julian gressel came in and to put on that performance as solid defensively as he was i was thrilled yeah i think he did pretty well i don't think it's probably it's probably not fair to say that gressel was benched because i don't think that's mm. exactly what happened but it and i and i agree that like and, and I think the, the 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 play that you brought up in the first game where it looked like he couldn't, it was like he was like stuck in second yeah. gear and like, you know, unhitch the wagon, buddy, and get out and run. And and I didn't think he looked particularly good in the, the second game against Atlanta either. Um, and it and, and to me, there, you know, there are a couple times where I think he he got cooked up pretty good uh, with with balls and behind. Uh, especially in that second one. Um, and so, I, you know, Wilfred Nazi referenced it in the post game that in terms of that change where he said something along the lines of like, I have to be cold with so, sometimes I have to be cold with my decision making in terms of personnel. And so I think they don't probably look at it in, as like a benching insofar mm. as like, all right, we're going to give you a break. And we think we what Mo gives us in terms of what we're asking from him uh, is probably a, a, maybe a net positive. And I, I agree. I thought it looked pretty good down the right for the, the majority of the game. Um, you know, he the 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 running and the, and the physicality part of, of what he brings is like top one percent in MLS. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I, there, there there's really no one in the league that I can think of, especially at outside back that runs like he does and doesn't seem to lose like a step um you know come like the 60 65th 70th minute um you know through through 80 it was still really you know really you know pretty good um gets cooked on the second goal um and and kind of turns off for a minute and and gave atlanta a little bit of life and they grew it and they kind of grew into the game from that um but i think overall it's what he was able to do, which is essentially step in for a guy that we're running a lot of kind of the build-up through, mm-hmm. step in for him, and uh, you know be responsible for the you know the Caleb Wiley, who I thought played terrible, um, had the worst game I've seen from him in a mm-hmm. long time. Um, but step in and, and and be responsible for two pretty prominent wide players who played really well yeah. in the previous game. And and for the most part, you didn't really even hear from 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 them. So, um, you know, uh, a really f- awesome job. I thought Matan played out of his mind. Mm. He was a turnover nightmare. It, it was in in the second game. He was bad in the second game. Um, an absolute turnover disaster in game two. And in game three, it was like you know Super Mario Matan out there. Um, I don't think it's a coincidence in a lot of ways that like if you go back and you look at the um, you know, where like 13, 14 goals that were scored between the two teams in this in this series. Mm-hmm. I think probably 11 of the 14 come in transition off of turnovers. Um, it, 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 so it's not a coincidence for me that like the the first two crew goals come from turnovers from Atlanta mm-hmm. deep in their own half, uh, and and you know and and they're you know in the in the crew's attacking third. But uh, the the fourth goal for me which I thought they really needed in a lot of ways mm-hmm. to kind of reestablish some of the um, 
some of like the, the positive energy in the building because we're Ohio sports fans. We can't help ourselves mm-hmm. when it gets nervous. Everybody gets it gets squeaky bum a little bit uh, just to steal Britishism. But the that that transition and then the reverse ball to, to play in Rossi was was a special moment from a guy that, you know, we've really lauded in terms of where where he was a year ago at this time to where he is now seems like two you know different kind of you know planets in a lot of ways um so i was you know hella impressed his goal was everything you expect it to be we've seen him in that position before where he takes an extra touch Mm -hmm. and and then like tries to you know bring the ball back and 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 instead he took one touch and 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 pulled the landon donovan i'm going to kick this as hard as i can at your face (sighs) Uh, move and uh, and roofs it and so I, I thought he was absolutely excellent but the, the big thing for me the difference in the whole series in a lot of ways the, 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 and I would expect in, as we get into the offseason and then looking ahead to 2024 Atlanta's got some central midfield problems they're bad and, and I thought Aiden Morris and Darlington Nagby embarrassed them and I thought they were actually pretty good in the second mm-hmm. game as well um, they, they showed uh, their their quality in class and 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 um, and just how much better they were than than their counterparts for Atlanta. I thought those two were just outrageously good, and um, and I think it bodes well in terms of if we kind of peek ahead to the to the matchup that we'll eventually do a little bit later when we when we look at Orlando here in a little bit. Just that Miyamba didn't like didn't see red in. Either game one or two is just baffling. It's that it, dude. I don't know. You, it, Eight fouls in two games. <laughs> I don't think I've ever experienced and one yellow to show. No, two yellows to show. Yeah. For. I don't. I don't think I've ever. I don't think I've ever witnessed a guy uh, basically be given the benefit of the doubt twice when he's done nothing to earn said yeah. benefit of the doubt. If, if that was Leo Messi, I think we'd all go, okay, I guess we get it. But it's mm-hmm. like, who's this guy yeah. who should have been sent off in the first game? Mm-hmm. Probably could have, like, was not, not great in game two, and then absolutely should have been sent off in yep. game three. Uh, it, it, it was, it's wild. That, that, was, that was a mind-blowing thing. And I think if, if um, you know, if the crew... <laughs> Don't win game three. It's probably the first thing we're talking about yeah. in, in this podcast. Well, and especially because it was almost all on the same guy. Like yep. they yeah. targeted Aiden Morris. I think, like thinking back on it, I mean they targeted Morris and Matan. Like in the first yeah, game, right, it was right. both of them. In the second game, I think they started by fouling Matan first, yeah, and then started fouling Aiden Morris. Which is actually a smart idea if you can get away yeah. with it, because you know if you foul Darlington, you're going to get carded. Like right. the, he mm-hmm. he's a guy who the league respects yeah. enough. But these two other guys are two younger guys who don't have the same name, and I think, like, that was probably a tactic by them. Mm -hmm. Let's go out and kick these other two guys that we know are going to have a big impact, but we're probably not going. And that's, you know, this is officiating. Like, you're supposed to handle this stuff, but I think, you know, if you're going to play kind of the dark arts of this game, that's not a terrible tactic by land. If you do get a yellow card early in the game or, or, you know, midpoint of the game, then you stop doing it, right? Mm -hmm. So, Except... In his case, which he, he yeah, continued right. to challenge. Yeah. And, and that's like, you know, one of the just frustrating things. I don't want to dwell too much on officiating with this, but um, it, I think a lot of times, you know, officials get in their head and it's like, look, I do not want to, you know, affect the or impact the, the outcome of the game and that to award, you know, a second yellow, that's going to do that. But not awarding it 
also affects the, in, yeah. Yeah, the outcome of the game because in any other scenario that he's not playing that and you know he's not playing game two because he got two yellows in game one right. um and uh and then maybe in game three if it happens uh you know he's uh uh, uh not as likely to try foul and you know fortunately no one injured um through any of that stuff that's you know primarily the concern but it's still uh, it, this just like false like idea that oh well if as long as i don't do it i'm not impacting the game no when you change the way you officiate you're impacting the outcome yeah i don't know i i thought i found the whole kind of thing to be just flatly like bizarre mm-hmm. um because it, it was so obvious that he um and everybody all the players on the field too that was the other thing like usually when when that second foul happens like the the body language from teammates will usually kind of tell the story mm-hmm. and like in the first game they were all like dude what is wrong with you like why yeah. are you going in on that challenge and then they were blown away that he didn't get a second yellow same thing happens in game three when he when he commits that second foul like I thought Miles Robinson was going to kill him for a second like it, <laughs> like and Miles was running hot the whole game uh, but like I like the way like that was ridiculous but it was the 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 whole concept i think was just kind of just mind-boggling in a lot of ways but also i think in, in a lot of ways it, it also speaks to their kind of game plan which in my mind makes no sense whatsoever and i know that this has been a relative not to turn this into an atlanta united podcast but that's been a point of contention amongst their fan base with with gonzalo pineda is like this is a fin- that's a finesse team that's a that's a that's a mercurial uh you know kind of finesse based talent um technical team to try and turn them into the bruising Seattle teams mm-hmm. that that you know Brian Smetcher had when when Pineda was yep. the assistant on those teams makes no bleeping sense by any stretch of the imagination. Ozzy Alonso isn't your demon, right? Like you don't have you don't have like Shane O'Neill isn't back there taking people's heads off. You have you have technical players. You saw Tiago Almada do it in game two and game three. The ball that he plays on Atlanta's first goal, thirty million dollar ball right there. That lo, that Lubinice then squares yep. to Giacomacus who puts it in the back of the net. But that first ball, nobody in the league touches that. The only other guy in the league who did it left for Saudi Arabia. Who could do that? He left for Saudi Arabia a couple months ago. So I don't know. That blew my mind. I didn't quite understand that at all. It, it was it was a quintessential personification of like not knowing, truly knowing the strengths of your team on a person to person basis, but also I think on a personality wise too. And I think the crew are in a lot of ways are the beneficiaries of that. I think there's one other guy who in the league who might be able to play that ball. Maybe in, in but, Miami, but, <laughs> but, but, but that guy, yeah, but, is, but he's, but that guy's not that far deep into the field. Fair, you know what I'm saying? Fair, yeah. But like, it's the, the, but yeah, the, you know, the, the the other little Argent, Argentinian mm-hmm. guy uh, that everybody seems to know pretty well for obvious reasons could probably go ahead and do that too. You brought up Almeida, and <clears throat> I thought it was interesting. You know, he tends to drift to that left-hand attacking side, which is put him in the game two mm-hmm. directly up against Gressel quite a bit. Yep. Um, and he's not an easy guy to handle. So you you give Mo that responsibility, which I think says a lot about what they think of him. Now, I think it probably had more to do with, look, this kid's going to run all day and do give everything he can. Not that Julian isn't. They're just different in terms of the way they play. Uh, but, I mean, Almeida was on the right a lot. Yeah. I mean, clearly he was frustrated by what the crew were doing and, and give Mo a lot of credit not mm-hmm. to kind of circle back to where we started, but I think it's important to point out. I don't know if, if Mo becomes like 
when you need a defensive right wing back, he's the guy. And, and Julian, you know, assuming he resigns going forward, he's the the more attacking of the two. But um, I do think it's interesting that in a, in a big moment like that mm-hmm. against one of the best players in the league, you you know you trust him with with something like that. And, and you mentioned Wiley as well. Uh, I thought I thought that was. And I tweeted about that right before the game, and I had some people coming back at me after the game about, like, oh, you're questioning Wilfred Nancy. No, I'm applauding yeah. Wilf. This was more an indictment on what Julian had done. Right. And he was, you know, when we were at practice last week, he was out there, you know, it wasn't like Sean Zawatsky who was working by himself. So if, I, mean, I agree with you, Barty, it looks mm. like he was playing hurt. So I don't know if there's just some minor thing that they've been dealing with, and, you know, you just decide in the biggest game you're not going to push it. Um, but he was out there in practice, so at least... As far as they've presented it publicly, he was available. And I think it's also kind of, you know, floor ceiling, right? I think yeah. I think that uh, his floor, Mo's floor, is a little bit higher than Julian's. Julian, I think, is a much higher ceiling. Yeah. Um, but but you know, right there in this in the, the do or die, and again, if, if you have any question marks about Julian, especially also after having to play on that turf in Atlanta, yeah, you you go with Mo and 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 credit to the young man. I thought he, you know, yes, burnt one time, but. Uh, Otherwise, I think played very strong. You know, I I saw the lineup like super late, and I saw Brian t- texted us in our group chat and going like, "Where it's Gressel?" And I'm I don't know how to say this really well, but here is how it is. I think Gressel has had not as good games as I, as I think a lot of fans had hoped they would be. Mm-hmm. And I think the biggest issue is if you look at your forwards, they're. Five, six, and five, five outside of Christian Ramirez, and for some weird and bizarre reason, Christian Ramirez has not been playing, or has not been inserted into that lineup, and it makes it really hard when because your mids and your wingers are all short. They have a really good guy who can swing a really good and accurate ball if the defenders are six, seven, eight, twelve inches taller than all of your forwards. Yeah. Um, so that, that I think I think you can be really successful in a different system or with a different crop of players than what you could. And I think his adjustment is taking a lot longer. In fact, I thought I, I injury or not, I really thought that Nancy's substitution of adding Mo was more unexpected and of like tactical and gamesmanship with not saying that Gressel is hurt if he is hurt than it was anything of like necessarily on Gressel. But I think it was just like a curveball that I don't think Atlanta was expecting. Yeah, and I, I, I don't think it's a coincidence in a lot of ways that, that Jules' best games are with Christian up front. But the other thing, too, is it isn't just the, you know having a, having a bigger target right to serve crosses in, but also if you think about it in the, in the sense that I would say probably over the last, what do you think, maybe month and a half, mm-hmm. the crew have basically had dominated possession in both the middle third and their attacking third, which negates a lot of the transition opportunities for Julian to to serve early balls in, like Mm -hmm. bending balls around kind of the corner, right? And so it's the they they're you're 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 reducing the opportunities for him to kind of showcase like the two really like kind of big strengths of his game. Um, But there have also been, I think, opportunities for him uh, you know, to, to combine and be dynamic in that regard that I think there are little things that don't necessarily turn into assists um, or, like, they don't show up on, like, X goals, right? But, like, I do think they're... <coughs> 
Excuse me. Um, there's going to be a lot of that in the podcast, by the way. In case you can't tell, we're all a little bit hoarse yeah, right we're now. We're following with something. Um, and uh, while I do think it makes you know for great kind of tenor and tone, <laughs> yep. um, for your listening pleasure at home or wherever you may be, it is a bit uh, tough for us. So there, there, the occasional cough or uh, you know clearing of the throat might might may occur. occur uh, as it already has, and so apologies for that. Um, you know, this Master Report pro- podcast brought to you by Ricola. <laughs> yeah, um, but Ricola. no, I, I, the 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 opportunities for him to kind of showcase his strengths are reduced, right? Um, but I love I love the the the, the thought that they're Atlanta's thinking they're getting jewels. We're going to hammer their right side. It's going to be Brooks Lennon all day. Run your fucking face off kind of thing and all of a sudden you slot in the guy who's the energizer bunny of the league and and like probably breaks every beep test that he's ever run and then you don't know what to do like you probably play they probably planned all week to have gressel in there we're gonna we're gonna serve balls to that right side jacomakis is gonna try and slip things in brooksy running in behind and then all of a sudden you can't do that right and so i think that in a lot of ways in my mind, lends itself to the really fast start that the crew had because the the number one option for them was just serving that mid-tier ball with Guzan to Jacques who did a lot of Zlatan shit, by the way. And if it was Zlatan mm-hmm. up there doing a lot of what he did, the MLS would have been tweeting about it all night. But for whatever reason, he doesn't seem to get the same love, um, which is fine. But the... Uh, uh, they, they took that option away, and they were kind of lost in a lot of ways, I think, for me, uh, especially in that first 30, 35 minutes. And, and this is not to say that Gressel is going to continue to to not perform well. It's just I think the adjustment is going to take a little bit longer to adjust not just to Nancy's tactics, but also to adjust to the other personnel that he's yeah. serving the ball to. I think I think just the fact that um, Nagby's, goal, Nag, Nagby's ball went in I think it all of a sudden like flipped a switch on the rest of this team. I mean, there's a, uh, I think the crew put a TikTok out of the go- the replay of um, uh, or, um, Malte, yeah. Malte's goal and his reaction to it in like a split screen kind oh, of yeah. thing. And they're like, so, and then he like watches it go and he goes like, yeah, I totally meant to do that. <laughs> and it was just like, no, you didn't, but you got no. some confidence from watching Nagby just score another banger. I thought it was really interesting that to kind of juxtapose Multi's performance, which I think that, and we can to get super mm-hmm. into the weeds. The fact that he's in that position, I think, speaks a lot to mm-hmm. the the. I think the tac- the tactical development that we've seen from the crew and, the, and their dominance in that attacking mm-hmm. third. That the fact that your left center back is essentially like thirty five yards out from goal, and you have eight players in front of him um and and he but he also has the confidence to take two touches and then hammer it um i think is a pretty special thing but i also think it was interesting to hear him talk at the build-up to this game of how confident he was and Mm -hmm. a quiet confidence and how he 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 looked sounded in and and very much looked fully both bought into the fact that the crew were going to go out and perform well, but also the fact that he was going to be a big part of that. Mm-hmm. And I think it speaks to the fact of the culture that we've talked about now for the better part of a year, how quickly they've created it. And for a guy who's new to that, right? Um, you can maybe make the argument that he's the best Tim Bezpachenko signing that we've seen so far he, in, a lot, in a lot of ways. Pound for pound value, absolutely. Yeah. Again, and this is a, a move that 
Bez pulled off in about 18 hours from um, uh, Wilson's, remember him, think, uh, going down yeah. for the year. And, and I think, you know, it's also one of those things, uh, 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 maybe it's a little bit cliche, but, you know, again, uh, uh, Malte saw, you know, knew the position that he was playing the most this season since he's been acquired, even if he was originally acquired to play that left wing back position. Right. He got thrust into that left center back in that, in that back three pretty early on. Um, and then they saw them, you know, acquire Evan Chiberko and... He's, I mean, Malty's been incredible since, you know, uh, uh, day one. I think, what, he had two goals in his first three games or yeah. something. Mm-hmm. Um, his, his four goals now since he signed him. Um, uh, uh, just been an absolutely incredible. And I think he, he has locked down for, for what Wilfried Nancy wants from that position. And I don't think it's fair to call it. A center back. I don't no, know it's what, not, what but he'd it, over back. Yeah. Um, uh, a, a position. It's he, kind of another midfielder. Yeah. In some ways, yeah. Right? It, yeah. Really defensive midfielder, but I don't know. Or like deep, deep, deep lying yeah. playmaker. Um, uh, I, I mean, the, he's just been such a revelation. And I think, look, if you're going into 2020, you know, 24, 25, um, uh, I, I, I think, or 2024, uh, just the season. He's your you. You're not worried about that, and you're you're no. thinking, what is Yevon Chaberko's? Is he a guy again who's a you know a, a bench plus guy? Is he a guy who can fill that you know center um, center back slot? Uh, if uh, if you feel that uh, um, uh, you know Quinton isn't ready to take that step, or you don't decide to re-sign a uh, 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 President Mountain Dew Ch- uh, Camacho. Um, <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah. You know what, what? Whatever you want to do uh, with that, but he, I think you've got he. I don't. I don't want. I don't want him playing outside back, except no. when you've got you know one of those situations like with Zawadzki, as you've brought up, where it's like, yeah, we don't know which one of they're, they're lined up in here, but either of them can play each other's position right. at any point, um, and that just makes a matchup nightmare for teams. But I mean, he's been such a revelation for this team, and uh, I think it's just. That that absolutely is a better goal scored than what was awarded MLS Goal of the Year a couple days prior to that, and I don't think there's any question about it. The uh, you know I think it's it's wild to me to think that like you know the the fact that 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 trade happened in you know what like 24 hours right um, that you mentioned 18 hours that you said earlier um, and. You know, the position that he ends up basically carving his name in yeah. stone into the starting lineup uh, is not the one in which he was acquired to play. Um, and I think NYCFC is probably kicking themselves right Seriously. now. They, that they let him go for nothing, and they could have absolutely used homeboy down the left side this year in their dumpster fire of a season. Or in their back three. Um, <laughs> but the, it's, you know, I think he, the, 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 the the confidence that he ga- has gained, I think, in a lot of ways has been really kind of um, due in, in large part to obviously playing very well. And and, and, and and that's a credit to him. But the, the steadying presence of Rudy and Steve to his right, mm-hmm. um, I think I think Rudy showed once again that he has has some really like special technical ability, but also I think has um, done a done a. Uh, a really remarkable job in the organization part mm-hmm. of that back three to five. Um, if you watch him during the game, half of what he is doing is essentially directing traffic 
Um, it feels a lot to me. It feels very similar to what Aloy Room used to do in the back line during the Caleb Porter years, where Aloy just barked at people the whole game uh, to get everyone organized. Um, but <coughs> excuse me, um, the. Rudy and Steve, I think, have been uh, exceptional. Go back and watch the, the, that third game and how many times Atlanta looks like they, they are maybe looking a, a little bit dangerous and they play a ball and Camacho's there to cut it out. Yeah. It happened probably 25 times. Um, you know, the, the physical ability isn't quite there. There are a couple times when they're running behind and he's looking at, you know, he's, he's literally behind the person he probably mm. shouldn't be. Um, and, and, and that transition can be an issue. It was an issue in game two. Um, and definitely was a problem on the first goal. Though I would, I, Atlanta's first goal, though, I would say that was more of a, just a special yeah. goal from them <laughs> as opposed to a defensive breakdown. But the, um, the, the organization and, and, and what he is bringing to the group in terms of a steadying presence in the back line, with their, which was something that they absolutely needed, um, I, I think has been pretty special as well. The, like, I, I think for me right now, if you're looking at this from kind of a, a bird's eye view, I don't see any weaknesses in this team right now outside of the fact that you know that every once in a while you might get an opportunity because the, the, the team yeah. uh, turns the ball over in a, in a place that they shouldn't, mm -hmm. right? Um, but I don't see anyone... In, in the Eastern Conference going, oh, yeah, we have, you know, our, our strikers are better than their, than their defending group. Like, I don't think anybody has a, has a superior, like, kind of um, personnel group at any point in the three lines. Um, and I think, like, that's the first time I can remember that ever in, in crew history. Maybe, back, maybe the, the 08, 09 teams could maybe say that. Um, Kind of, but like, it, it, per, you know, personnel one through kind of 14 in terms of the guys that are going to see the field. It's a it's a special group right now. And I don't think mm -hmm. anybody in the Eastern Conference is like, you know, we really feel like we can get after this crew team. I don't I don't think anybody's looking at this at this Columbus team going. Um, yeah, I with, want with that. any with any. <laughs> yeah, it's like with any bit of confidence, because, you know, you're not going to have the ball. Mm hmm. And and you might feel like, especially like a Cincinnati um, or like Orlando, too, in some, in some ways, mm -hmm. where it's like, well, we can have the ball so we can dictate terms. They're absolutely not going to be able to do that in, uh, against this crew team. And then if they, can, if they continue to kind of take steps in terms of being a little bit more dynamic in, in, in their defending, not good if you're an opponent right now, and, and absolutely fantastic for us. The defending still scares me a little bit. I mean, you know, I know Atlanta obviously is a high-scoring team, but you, know, you give up six goals in these last two games, and, you know, we know we can – we'll talk about it when we talk about Orlando, but we know what happened down there. Um, there's just – you know, I, I still think their best defense is possession, as yeah. you're saying. Yeah. The transition stuff is a problem, yeah. but it's a problem for everybody. That's fair. Mm -hmm. Um you know, I do. I think they can be bullied. I mean, the first goal Atlanta scored in Atlanta, where you just don't mark the league's leading goal scorer. Like things like yeah. that seem to happen a bit too much for this group, and probably because of the personnel you have back there. I mean, you've got as we're talking about, it helps you offensively to have these two wing backs, and they both are solid defenders. But you know, winning balls in the air in the box isn't what Marrera or Amundsen are right. you know right. known for. So. 
I don't know. I mean, that is the concern for this team, right? Going through the rest of this playoff run is, you know, can you either outscore the team enough to win three more games, which is what you have to do to win MLS Cup, mm -hmm. or can this defense step up and make enough plays you know, to, to get you there? And I think it's going to be, it, it's got to be kind of the former for them. This this crew team does not park the bus. They, no, they do, do donuts with the bus. They are doing wheelies with the bus. They are ghost riding the bus. Um, and it, it makes, if anything, for much more entertaining soccer. Oh, for sure. For sure. Also uh, stressing out soccer. Yeah, yeah. Well, and like, look, I was talking to somebody before the game in Atlanta, and I was like, I don't think they'll win this game just because they're going to try and play the way that they play all the time. And Atlanta's at home. They've got Almeida back. Like, it just was setting up for Atlanta. Mm -hmm. I didn't know it would be 4-2, to two, but um, it was setting up for Atlanta to, to do that. And you're, you know, that's part of the reason they've had some issues on the road. Mm -hmm. you know? And unless things go their way here over these next two games, you're going to have to play in Orlando. And if you can get past that, probably in Cincinnati. So they're going to have to figure out that, that balance on the road. And I know Wilfried is very big into we're going to play the same way, home or away. Uh, but, you know, in the playoffs, I think sometimes playing a bit more defensive may not be the worst thing in the world, uh, just especially given I don't think they're going to do it for the record. But, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I do think um, that you should have that in your bag. I also think, and I don't know if we talked about this really much heading into this, but this was big for Wilfried. Like, he had a really good team last year, and they bombed out of the playoffs. Yeah. And, like, you don't want – I think we did talk about this a little bit. Like, you don't want to get that reputation as a coach that, oh, you have these great regular seasons and you can't do anything in the postseason. And, like, it's only two years, so, like, it's still early to have that talk. But I think if – with the way people talked about the crew this year and how entertaining they were, like, they got a lot of publicity – among MLS for the way they played. But if that just can't work in the playoffs, you're kind of at a, at a weird spot. And so getting past a team in Atlanta, who maybe isn't what they used to be, definitely isn't what they used to be, but still is a marquee MLS team, um, you know, we'll see what they do from here. But I think it was important for, for him as kind of a young head coach to justify, look, I can do this in the postseason. Um, yeah. We'll see how it goes going forward. I thought it was interesting, too. I just looked it up a second ago because I was kind of curious from an analytical standpoint what, you know, essentially how different the, the, the three games were for Atlanta. Point one X goals for Atlanta in game one. Um, two point something or other in game two. And then they had two on the nose uh, in game three. And um, which I think is fair because it's, a couple of half chances, and then the two goals they score are essentially yeah. 0.5 tap-ins. Um, so it's, I think the two is probably a bit exaggerated, given the goals that were scored. Um, which is so that's not necessarily a great number defensively. Right. Um, if you're averaging the three games, that's not great but when you add into the fact that like they scored the crew the, the crew scored eight goals yeah. over the course of three games um means you're probably feeling pretty good about it but yeah. i think the 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 thing with nazi that compared to those those uh montreal teams like he doesn't have the horses that this crew team does in an attacking sense sure. that jordy mihailovich is 
probably the only guy that I could see from those Montreal teams in, the, in, in kind of an attacking sense, mm -hmm. seeing playing time if you were on this Columbus Crew team. No one else on those you Montreal teams. You think Kai gets back out there for a third run with the crew? I mean, I don't know. I think Kai maybe is playing in Crew 2 uh, <laughs> or something along those lines and just absolutely dominating. But, like, um, Zach Yobrogiard isn't getting in there. I don't think uh, Kyoto's not getting in there. Um, you know, any of the kind of that, those attacking guys. But the, um, I just think that the firepower that the crew have in an attacking sense cures so many sure. problems that you have. I, I think in a lot of ways it, it, it flies in the face of what we think of in terms of traditional MLS playoff success yeah. of being conservative, hitting on the counter, all that kind of stuff that – Maybe there's a different way to do that. Maybe you are winning a lot of games 3-1, 4-2, 3-2. But if you're still scoring three, four game, goals a game, your, your, your chances of success are probably pretty high. Yeah. Would, would you like to see a 25% bump in defensive like ability? Yeah, because then it's pretty much a moonwalk into MLS Cup from that point because I don't see the, the attacking dropping off in any time soon. But I think the fact that the, the, the crew are consistently creating chances. They're consistently finishing chances. And the guys who are responsible are now basically playing every game, starting every game. And there's a lot of continuity there. And they're all, they all happen to be really, really hot right now. I think that the fact that he didn't have a ton of success last year, this is showing me in a lot of ways that he's able to push some of the buttons that you need to push as a manager come postseason. And I think that's maybe the, one of the few things that he hasn't shown yet uh, that he has uh, the ability to do. Because right now can't argue with the results well but then we look at what was it a month ago six weeks ago that the crew scored three goals and then let four goals in yeah. for orlando and how does that change how he plays this game in orlando again i mean he has to exercise some demons down there and the players have to exercise some demons and like you can't go up three was it three one and then let three unanswered goals in and lose the game in the, in Defend the last. Defend set pieces. Yeah, I mean, right. I think it's like part. Of, it's like a little bit of uh, six and one, half a dozen the other, right? In terms of looking at the game, is it is it are you know giving up the, the three unanswered goals or the fact that you got that three one on the road in the first place, right? Yeah. Um, against a, an Orlando team that no one had done that to them all year. Um, I do think there the the biggest thing that you have to keep in mind, I think, as we're you know, kind of getting ready for this series is that this is an Orlando team. No that, series, just game. Or game yep. that... For some reason. The, this mm -hmm. Orlando team is way more bought in on a cultural standpoint, on a kind of, um, you know, intangible uh, um, kind of brotherhood way than the, or than Atlanta has. The, it's 100% better than, or, than, uh, than Atlanta. Um, because of Oscar Perea, the, those teams play out of their mind. They'll run through a wall for him. And that is something that I think this crew team has to keep in mind because we've already seen evidence of it this year that even if they're down and even if the crew are playing well, this Orlando team's not stopping. They're not, mm -hmm. going, to, they're not going to fold. They're not going to quit because – Everything that that Perea kind of means to this group, it translates very directly in my mind to the effort that they show on the field as well. To your point, in the Crew versus Orlando first game, which was on May thirteenth, yeah. 
Orlando scores the tying goal. This is a 2-2 tie. Orlando yep. scores the tying goal at 90 plus 2. Yeah. Yep. And then on uh, September 16th, Orlando scores the winning goal at 90 plus 7. Yeah. So mm-hmm. those are those are really, really key things for them to keep to keep an eye on uh, is to not fall asleep. And I think, you know, as much as we had talked about how bad uh, Stephen Moreira had in game two in Atlanta, I feel that he, it sounded like, since I didn't watch the game, but I listened to it, it sounded like he rebounded quite nicely. He was much better. And he was yeah. part of the helping stop Almeida. I probably should have mentioned yeah, that. Yeah, you well. know, I thought that was that was kind of fascinating yes. to, uh, to watch because it, it, there were a couple times where he got upfield, too far upfield, and he was absolutely torched for it in game two. And was not punished in game three. Well, I mean, Farsi covered way. for and him that, and very well. I think well. It, that was because of Moe's yeah. presence, yeah. right? Um, and that's kind of the chemistry they developed yeah. the first yeah. half of the, the season. The, so, and I think there is something to the French connection there and the, yeah, the, the fact that they're able to kind of speak French to each other. And, and, and there's there's obviously a very natural friendship and, and kinship that the two of them have. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the the... I love I for for me I I think there's something to be said for a really confident back line even though they've given up goals in the postseason and certainly in the back third of the, the the regular season as well I don't know there just seems to be like there's like this kind of intangible kind of feeling with the group that as long as they don't give up like like we've said now 50 times on this podcast you can give up one bad goal that's okay you can't give up two if you give up two you're gonna lose every time. I think there's some confidence, though, that they've gained from that. It was like, we can make one mistake because the our attacking ability can correct that, probably. We will, we will cause mistakes that. on the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a freeness to, to the way that they play. I think there's a there's a um, there's almost like a, a freeness, but also a grittiness to it as well that I think lends itself pretty well to, to, to blending the transition that, that, that we've seen the crew have a decent amount from offense to defense and being dynamic in those transition moments. I don't think there will be as many as as we saw in Orlando because I would not expect them to turn the ball over in the same way Atlanta did. Yeah. Um, they're a little bit better with it. Um, they have a much better central midfield than, than Atlanta does. Um, Facu Torres is still, I think, a, a top 10 attacker, you know, kind of central attacking mid, dynamic winger, inverted winger, whatever you want to call him. Um, guy that you have to, to, to account for. And I think in a lot of ways in that in that you uh, accounted for Tiago Amada, it's it's somewhat similar. Um, and he and from 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 my money he was the big reason why the comeback happened in that September game um, you know in the regular season. So you have to account for him. I think they're really good in front of goal. They're ruthless in that regard and then they're huge uh, in uh, amongst their their back four. Um, so you got to play well, right? I, I don't think you can that, – that's the thing, I think, with this crew team that, that Orlando kind of – or that, that this Atlanta series showed, that the crew didn't necessarily have to be in, you know, A form, so to speak, to win the game. Well, and you had three games. And you had – because you had – and you obviously had that kind of safety net, yeah. right? This is, a, this is a game, and I think it's, it's a little bit different if we're even peeking ahead to what happens mm-hmm. if they win. Um, you have to play – you have to be kind of firing on all cylinders here because I don't think average, the average crew performance wins this game. You have to be a little bit better. So I just want to bring up one other factor um, in the win over Atlanta from 
um, uh, sources that they reported to GCG Bag before the game. I'm, I'm going to read from the source. Um, the initial match sheet for Sunday's uh, uh, Columbus-Atlanta match had Columbus in all yellow, Atlanta in red and black stripes with black shorts and red socks, and the match officials in pink. Atlanta, after their 4-2 win in Game 2, submitted a change that they were going to go with black, black, and black, believing that that would indicate the alternate kits, those really just just ugly, ugly as hell um, graffiti ones that they wore in Game 2. Um, Columbus, in a hilarious act of petty gamesmanship, said, Nuh-uh, we're the home team, and we get to decide that we're wearing what we're wearing, and they went with the black all black kits that we saw them wear and that forced Atlanta to wear mint green which um, uh, notably was what they were donning last time well the, the two times back when they had been in a lower dot com field that 6-1 loss um, and apparently in a number of other big losses that they'd experienced throughout the year um, again I, I trust our sources and I think the you know the fact that Atlanta fans got in uh, our ats last night to be like Oh, I can't believe you guys wouldn't let us wear our special jerseys. That's so immature of you. It's just like all the proof you need that this is absolutely true. But I just want to get your guys' thoughts on the potential gamesmanship, if there's you know anything that your sources have indicated otherwise. And uh, I think that is just absolutely A+. I'm all for that petty. Petty is my favorite color. If this is correct... And uh, knowing where you got that, I assume it probably is. Um, this is probably the only time I will ever be content with them not wearing yeah. <laughs> these, the banana kits, um, especially at home. I think that's, you know, look, it's the playoffs. You do what you got to do. Yeah. Yeah. It means, you know, on the Atlanta side, you foul Aiden Morris a bunch. If, if <laughs> on the crew side, you can get them into the kits that they lose in. So be and, it. And, and not the ones that they wanted. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think there's something to the the idea of like a, a like a bad luck color and yeah. be, like mm-hmm. players being like, oh my god, we're wearing these freaking things again. Yeah. We are so screwed. I kind of love <laughs> well, that. And, and soccer's so like, you know, superstitious and uh, you know, guys wearing their socks the exact same yeah. way. And, you know, like that'll start to get in guys' heads. It's not like they just won't notice the fact that they've been losing in these uniforms all year. They, you know, soccer players aren't on, like, baseball player level mm. in terms of, like, you know, pregame routine yeah. and trying not to break from that. And it, the, 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 the absolute psychotic levels that baseball players use uh, and go to uh, to kind of go about their craft. Uh, but they're close. They're not, they're not super far behind. And, and kind of my professional experience, the in terms of my own kind of thoughts on this i can absolutely positively see it uh it's it's a it's 100 percent feasible and so i wouldn't i wouldn't be shocked or surprised I want to believe that it that it absolutely went down that way um and i kind of love that too because i think any any juice is good right come postseason even if it's manufactured mm-hmm. and a little bit petty um but i also think too there, there's something to be said for being the pedigree, right? And, and being an, an, an OG MLS franchise yeah. and all the history that the, the Columbus crew have, um, you know, kind of created in Major League Soccer that you it's, – it's okay to be big brother sometimes and smack little brother around a little mm-hmm. bit and be like, sorry, that's only one star that you have above the crest <laughs> right now. Uh, you don't get to just because you got a shiny butthole of a stadium doesn't mean you get to <laughs> kind of dictate terms when you're the away team. So – 
Uh, I like I like the 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 pettiness there. I also don't mind a little bit of kind of natural rivalry yep. that we have with Atlanta now, especially come postseason. Yeah. Fabulous. I thought that. The decision to make Adam Jean oh, the yeah, magic nighter was that. another home run from this Columbus mm. crew marketing team and in a series, a season full of them. I think they've been absolutely outrageously good. We've lauded them in the past. Um, and, but I think they deserve all the credit and more because they've in addition to the on field results, which are obviously the engine and the driving factor of all the positive momentum that this club has right now, that's that, that, that the on without the on field results, it doesn't happen. But there are but everything that the 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 kind of the that's gone into both the fan experience and then the build up and then you know, the lead into build up and then also kind of the, the I don't even know what we would call it the. I'm air quoting here, but the post-coital enjoyment of that, that comes after wins, everything that the marketing team has created this far, so far this season has been fantastic. And so, um, you know, Katie Foglia and that whole group deserves all the credit in the world. And I think the decision to have, you know, uh, Adam come in and, and do the shushing and the whole thing just to me, it's fan service. it was absolutely it. fantastic. And I, and it, it, it's still, I, it's one of those things that's like a, I, it's a layup. I, I think mm-hmm. it's so easy, and it boggles the mind for me when I see other professional franchises fumble this on a regular basis. Uh, and it comes from two things. It comes from listening, which I think is something that this this club does pretty well, right? They're and, better. And, 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 and yeah. improving. I was going to say, unquestion- we've, had we've had a long history. <laughs> it hasn't been good. It hasn't fumbling. been good in the past, yes. right? But it's, it, it's 180 degrees in the right direction as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, the, the collaboration and being able to listen better and then learn from it is something that I think um, the you see results, the fruits of those labors and the fruits of those efforts that that, that comes about in a positive way really, really fast and really, really quickly. So um, and I think the, the, the in some ways. You know, I've gotten into debates uh, in the past with some people in terms of crowd and home field advantage and whether or not the crowd can actually influence the the on-field performance of teams. Sometimes I think that's a little bit overblown. But I do think there is something to be said for the confidence that home teams get from safe environments, supportive environments. And I think in a large part, the energy that existed the entire day that built and built and built and built Welshly Arms added to it and Adam when he came through added to it and then when the ball got kicked off there was one team that was very obviously on the front foot and there one team that was not and the crew were those guys and I think they they fed off of that and I think that's additive in the best possible way and in postseason it couldn't be more crucial as far as I'm concerned. It was good to see Adam too he came over to the Nordic tailgate for a little bit before the game um he had a buddy with him who he played college soccer with who was like, I'm surprised so many players or so many fans remember him. And I was like, no, crew fans are pretty good about that. I mean, even like. Also, when, it's just like when a six, seven dude walks into the tailgate. Well, sure. So but like people came out like one guy had a sign that like he'd made of Adam making the shush. Like it was the, yeah. the silhouette of that. And he had him sign it. And people came up and wanted to take pictures and whatnot. And, and you know, thinking- he probably doesn't get that all that often. No. And, mm-hmm. you know, he said he's he's living out in Phoenix, which is where his career ended. Um playing in the, the USL. So to have that moment, and he hadn't been to the new stadium. He was talking about how awesome it was just to see, he got to see that earlier in the day and, and obviously got to take in the game. So good to see him. Great dude. I did hear someone call him Big Celery yesterday, which is a funny bit of like wrong, tall, white dude. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, that that's uh, Ethan, not nearly Ethan as Schoenfeld, blonde by the way. But that one, that one, that one made me giggle. I did see that tweet. At one and, point. and again, I think it's also you know not to but but it's like the goal that he scored and when he scored it in the midst of the you know this was yeah. shortly after the 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 announcements from Anthony Precourt and the you know onset of the Save the Crew movement, and so that's where you know Adam John forever a legend for that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. The, um, he is the King Slayer. We. We can probably talk more Orlando next week since yeah. we have mm-hmm. 37,000 days between games. Um, but 13. Co- 13. 13. And that is the fewest games for amount of days for any other teams because of this stupid best of three yeah. format. Yeah. Uh, well, that's what I wanted to ask you. <laughs> uh, what did you make of this best of three? Um, and we'll go after this. I want to go through just quickly who's still left and kind of how it all played out. But um what, what did you make of it? I I thought there were some fun games. Like, it made for more soccer, which was good. Mm-hmm. But, like, and I, I took some heat for this on Twitter because I said I didn't feel like game one really felt like a playoff mm-hmm. game. Like, it felt like a regular season game to me. And the fact that they won 2-0 was nice. But, like, you didn't accomplish mm-hmm. anything except, I guess, going up 1-0. And that's – I know they do it in other sports. It just didn't feel like an MLS playoff game. And I, I remember the old <laughs> – you know, three game formats, but those were aggregate mm-hmm. goals. And so that, that mattered a little exactly. bit, even though loss in Atlanta, like it was like, well, crap, but we get another game at home. So like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I think there is a way you could do this. I don't like that. The playoffs are different. I mean, I'm fine with one game final if you want to do that, but I think the rest of it should be the same. But I'm curious what you guys thought of it. That's uh, I, I'm, you know, I, I, I looked at it and basically the thing is that, Every single team that won game one advanced, and they would have advanced with the result in game two in a two-game aggregate. You know, uh, in in the case for Crew, in the case for Seattle, they advance on away goals. Um, And again, I think there's something to be said. These games are certainly coached and prepared for differently if you're if you're planning for a two-game aggregate um, uh, set. But I think in in what you know they're hoping to you know accomplish look you didn't have any different outcomes that you wouldn't have had in the normal format um you fortunately avoided with houston and and real salt lake a scenario where because that i think was the only one where it went to penalties twice Mm -hmm. where a team was eliminated going to penalties twice so that you dodged a bullet in because i think that that would be an atrocity um uh but but again i think it, it just showed look i loved i'm 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 glad, you know, as a as a crew fan to have gotten an extra home game. Yeah. Potentially, you know, there are no other home game playoff games guaranteed. So, you know, I like that in that respect. But to your point, it, it took away a lot of the stakes in those earlier games. And I think when it is played in the aggregate in that home and home, the stakes are there the entire time from minute one right. all through the entire, you know, the entirety of it. Once crew go down. You know, Ford, uh, whatever, I don't remember exactly. Four one, was it four, Ford 4 1? Yeah. yeah. Um, in, in game two, it's just like, well, this is this is done. Let's move, pack up, and start thinking about game three. Yeah. That's not the case. And, and you imagine if, you know, it were that aggregate scenario, how wild you go with a Max Arfson goal that suddenly it's like, oh my God, that gets us through. Um, uh, uh, suddenly we're talking about him in the same hush tones we talk about as Adam John. And yeah. Um, and so uh, uh, cult I think, hero out of nowhere. I, I, I think it's just, it was, uh, it didn't accomplish. What and the other thing is like 
because of it, you are going to have, in you know, the case of FC Cincinnati, I think they've got 21 days off, you know, three weeks between games. You still run into the international break. So any buzz you might have generated from, I think, three of the game, three of the series actually went to three games. You lose all that momentum, you know, just from casual fans because you don't play again for two weeks at best. And with an international break, you do risk that important players, such as for the crew, Jason Russell Rowe and Cucho Hernandez, Cucho, yeah, getting, his first getting call. called right. up, getting called up for their national teams, and you risk the fact that you lose a very critical oh, player on your team. Don't put that out in the universe. Well, it's the no, reality. but that's a factor. Right? Yeah. It's the reality. The um, you know, it's interesting. I, I you know, I said kind of going into this that I was going to reserve judgment until you know we got all the way through it, and I think. You know, if we're looking at this from the kind of the business standpoint, the Apple TV being the drive, Apple TV being the driving force for this change in the first place, I think they pretty much got what they wanted, which was extra games. Um, you know, I think there's an argument. They got and, drama. They and got there's drama. an argument to be made in my mind that, like, I, it, you know, for me, like, game one should be just as important as game seven, even though they're, they, mm. they, you know, even though we all know that's actually not the case, right? That, um, you know, when I think of soccer, I think of I think of it being kind of intrinsically different than all of our other sports. I think you know some of the great crew goals of all time are kind of weird ones in terms of the specific scoreline to that game, right? It, uh, Harrison Awful against NYCFC, right? Mm-hmm. One of the great crew goals of all time, maybe like my second favorite crew goal, crew stadium goal ever. Mm-hmm. Um, that how important that ended up being, right? Because of what, what happened in the, in the next leg against NYCFC. So the, I think there's something to the tradition, and I think I, I use that word purposely, the tradition that comes from juxtaposing games together, from binding them together from a goal standpoint. And so like how, how amazing of a moment were we kind of how amazing of, of a moment of Max Arfson's goal it was kind of taken from us in a lot of ways yeah, like that would have been a deliriously incredible moment right um, that uh, I think is is you know maybe we lose a little bit of drama from it and but it's an Americanization this kind of American sports mm-hmm. um, you know kind of I don't know like a change or whatever that we're trying to force this very un-American kind of sport in a lot of ways into this, you know, red, white, and blue box that, that I don't think it really fits into in a very neat way. That being said, um, you know, we, we, we did get the drama, right, of a game seven, basically. And, and that's, I think, in, in large part from a business standpoint, that's exactly what Apple TV is after. Um, I don't know if it works from a soccer standpoint. I, every, we're going to run into this international break every single time from yeah. here on out, whether we like it or not, because of this crazy comp. But the um, I, the layoff, I think, stinks. If I'm FC Cincinnati, I'm sweating bullets, baby, right now, because three weeks is a long time yeah. to be sitting on your ass. And you know they're, they're not really banged up or anything, so they don't really have to worry about getting healthy. But I think I'd be worried a little bit about that edge being sharp. Yeah, and they're going up against Philly. Yeah, and and Philly, 
Like that's the thing I think too, and uh, as we kind of when we, when we get in kind of the, the the bracket at large here a little bit, um, the the layoff is a factor, and I think if you can squeeze in a second round mm. in between like where we're where we yeah, are then now, it's conference finals. It just feels it better feels too. a little bit different, right? So I, I wouldn't be surprised to see a change. Um, I do think you can't go straight to penalties. I, st- I still think after 90 minutes, you've got to play that, th- that, that, that actual extra, si- extra time. Or just allow ties until you yeah. need yeah. to not have <laughs> the, ties. Well, the, you referenced the RSL Houston game. I thought it was very – there's a very clear superior team mm-hmm. in, uh, in the second game that I think you get a goal. Houston goes out and gets a goal if they play extra time. That I think you bailed RSL out by going to penalties right after that 90 minutes, and they, and they were the beneficiaries yep. of it in, in, in a way that I didn't think it reflected, in my mind, outside of an outrageous free kick goal, that I don't think the result of that game really reflected how it was truly played. Um, but I think they, deserved, they, they, they avoided, as you said, Bart, the kind of the disaster scenario, which is a team essentially playing for penalties twice getting lucky on the pe- on all the penalties and advancing yeah. despite not you know maybe potentially being an inferior team well for the people who haven't followed it all that closely um we got cincinnati advancing they won 3-0 at home won in penalty kicks against the red bulls on the road the red bulls had to come through the wild card beat charlotte 5-2 to uh philly beat new england 3-1 and then 1-0 on the road to face Cincinnati in the semifinals. You know what happened with the crew. Orlando won two games against Nashville, 1-0. I only watched that second game after the crew-Atlanta game. Nashville had a goal called back, and then yeah. I think just stopped playing soccer. Like, they they didn't try to score. It was disappointing to see because— Caleb Porter era. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it would have been, A, making Orlando play another game, and B, potentially the crew getting a home game. But it is what it is. Uh, Kansas City got through the wild card out west, winning 4-2 over San Jose in penalty kicks, and then upset my hometown team, St. Louis, 4-1 and then 2-1 at home, uh, which was the, uh, the the surprise, I think, of the first round. Houston, we in, talked about this. In both cases, was it was the eight seed winning the play-in games in both cases, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Houston, you talk about this. 2-1 Houston in the first game, 1-1 RSL wins 5-4 on penalty kicks, and then 1-1 again in the third game, 4-3 Houston on penalty kicks. So, as you said, avoid that scenario where uh, a team just plays for penalty kicks and gets through. LAFC beat beat Vancouver in two games, 5-2 and 1-0, and then Seattle-Dallas went the distance. Seattle won 2-0 in the first leg, Dallas won 3-1 at home, and then Seattle eked out a 1-0 game the other night. So we've got Houston-SKC in the West in one West semifinal, Seattle LAFC in the other, Crew Orlando in one East semifinal, and Cincy Philly. Is there a game of those, and we're getting long here, but is there a game of the, these semifinals that stands out to you the most other than the crew? Well, so I, I thought it was it was interesting. The injuries piled up for Dallas, got the lost some steam. They basically were playing teenagers in that third game. Um, and uh, the, a Seattle team that is very un-Seattle, in my mind, advancing, even though I kind of thought they were ripe for the picking a little bit, was a little surprising. I thought they were fortunate to get the matchup that they got. Um, Houston still feels like, you know, I, I called them Diet Crew uh, in the, 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 the previous podcast, which was a joke, but also a little <laughs> bit unkind because that's a very, very good team. 
um, even though there are tons of crew ties with, with, with both the players yeah. and the front office there. I still think they're the team of destiny right now out West, even though SKC showed a gear that they'd flashed a little bit. They got healthy at the right time. And then, you know, they, they, they're taking on once again, the personality of their, of their coach, which is, you know, maybe not great if you're, you know, friends with them, but fantastic mm-hmm. in terms of winning, you know, soccer games and don't come postseason. Um, but yeah, I think the West is weird, but LAFC just smashing Vancouver, absolutely slapping them around uh, is wild. I don't think anybody has the gear, that top end gear out West that they have. Um, even St. Louis didn't have it in my mind. So no, they were I, terrible. I think, I think, uh, you know, if you're looking at the Western Conference right now, I don't know how any, anybody betting against LAFC, I think, is a little bit foolhardy. Um, that game is would, in Seattle. I would yeah. look. I would look for them to cruise. I think they're going to absolutely cruise. Um, the uh, Eastern, I think, is more interesting. Um, you know, I think. I think the layoff that Cincinnati has, combined with the way Philly is going to play them, <laughs> lends itself to. Uh, I. A game that I think is going to be frustrating in a lot of ways, and I I think there's some veteran there's some veteran play guys who have been there before in Philly, mm-hmm. and on the other side in Cincinnati, none of them have been in big games. Not, so not only that, they're most the defensive player of the year. Their most prominent veteran presence there on the back line will not be there because he got an idiotic second yellow in that PK in win shootout, against yeah. the Red Bulls. Um, Miazga out for the semifinals. One of the great, one of the great <laughs> own goal kind Seriously. of moments in MLS history. Um, and then broke now, into the. Uh, it, you know, I can understand being pissed at Victor Rivas. You know, I oh, would just oh, add, him, time. add him to that long yep. list mm-hmm. of people. Fresh cut um, Victor Rivas. But you can't can't do can't can't invade the referee locker room post game and, and and think you're going to get away with it. Even though you did get a postseason award, even though you're not the best defender on the team. <laughs> but the. Uh, but yeah, that's a that's a problematic matchup for them. Even if Miazga was in the team, I think mm-hmm. it's problematic for them. Um, you know, all the attacking options that that Cincinnati has, it's in, and they're going to look very dynamic. And every, down the left side, still going to look really, really great with Barrial. And and you know, we 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 know what Lucio Acosta brings to the table. But there's something about the way that Philly plays, especially in this specific situation. I think if it was a three game series, I wouldn't be thinking about this in the same way. But the, this specific situation that I, the, that Philly matchup's a problem. Yeah, for them. they know how to they know how to do this. They've yeah. done it, obviously. Um, those the Eastern Conference games are on November twenty Saturday, November twenty fifth. The crew at five thirty p.m. in Orlando, uh, Philly at Cincinnati at eight p.m. And then the next day, eleven twenty six, Houston SKC in Houston at 7 p.m. and Seattle LAFC in Seattle at 9.30 p.m. So if you're keeping track at home, that's when you'll want to watch the games. Sam, you want to wrap us up? Unless there's anything else we need to... Just to put a bow on the on, on everything with this Atlanta series, I, I think for me, you know, to reiterate, it was one of the great nights we've had at Lower.com Field. And I think if we're able to experience that again this season, um, which I hope we are, Given that they're, you know, obviously that's a possibility. Go twice more would be nice. Um, Go Philly. The, uh, I think that's a that's that if if we're fortunate enough to get that get that opportunity, I think you're going to see Columbus take it in a way that 
we really haven't seen since the those like Guillermo, you know, kind of era crew. And even postseason then, games. it was. I mean, yeah. those those postseason games were awesome, but like it wasn't going 18, 19 sellouts right. in a right. row type of thing. So, um, but it just, you know, it, it was a special night. I was super glad. I know we all were really great, you know, kind of fortunate to experience it. Sam, you had listened on the radio, but still it was kind of, um, it was something that I'll never forget. It was, a, it was a great, you know, a great reminder of why, you know, we, we do this and, and, and why we're so passionate about this. And I think there, it's not just us, but the entire kind of, kind of, crew supporter family and and yeah. and and to be able to kind of engage in that i'm going to use this word purposely that fellowship was was a special thing and so um and then to cap it off with a victory made it even better so uh, just an all-around a one night in columbus yeah again the best three is stupid but bonus home game i'm all for yeah all right, and that will uh, that will do it. And that's because there's another week before we actually have to play Orlando, and it's going to be a very long day for sports fans in Columbus, Ohio, especially if you follow nothing the else of significance going on. What else can we be doing? State yeah. football team. Um, I'm going to have to figure out how to club, log into Apple TV on the iPad in the car on the way back from Ann Arbor. It's going to be a pain. Anyway. Fun times. Oh, yeah. you Fun don't have times. to drive, though. That's nice. No, I'm supposed to be working. but <laughs> So we're definitely going to try to record uh, again next week as we preview yeah. Orlando and, and see what other shenanigans happen in between between now and then. Uh, we'd like to thank Saucy Brewer for being our gracious hosts and sponsors at uh, Third and that team up north. There you go. Because um, <laughs> I said I won't say it again. And uh, come down here. The food is good. The beer is good. The coffee is actually really good. You've got um, their Christmas lager now, three hoes. Yes. Terrific. Fantastic. Yeah, so, thumbs up. Yeah, and uh, I got to bring my parents here for the very first time nice. uh, a couple days ago when they were here in town. And my dad, who is not a picky eater in, in, in a relative term, but like in, it's their when 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 you when pizza especially separates for pops, you know it you know you're kind of bringing it in a, in a in a really substantive way and he was blown away with the pizza here so if you're bob if, if you're getting the bob hillbrand seal of approval <laughs> which trust me as a 37 yep. year old not easy to do <laughs> <laughs> oh man that's a whole different podcast whoa <laughs> wink wink nudge nudge yeah, you're doing something right. So shout out to Saucy Brewers. Plus, they have Shit's Creek on TV right now. They do have Shit's Creek on TV. It's it's very bizarre. Um, anyway, well, it's usually like a Marvel movie or something. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's or just some sort every of sporting TV channel event. You can find one. So, uh, from Saucy Brewers for uh, Bart, Brett, Murph, Sam, uh, we will see you. Uh, or we'll talk to you hopefully next week. Say bye, buddies. No, I'll let you say it since you're here. Bye, buddies. <laughs> <laughs>